good. How are you doing? Good to see you. Holy smokes. That sounds pretty good. Big crowd. (laughs) Yeah, that sounds good. Yeah. I mean, that feels good. Right place. Got a little chicken on my fingers. I'm scared to death. There's a big crowd. They look like nice people, though, don't they, Wayne? Oh, they're bound to be nice people. They look like a forgiving lot out here. (laughs) Uh, I think you all know who this gentleman is sitting next to me. (laughs) Kenny Rogers, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Wayne is a, uh, well, he's a, well, you know about Wayne, he's, He's uh, made all these guitars, and everybody waits in line and butters them up and gives them lemon pie and <laughs> that, begs I'm and pleads. Too, too and many of them, you know. and they, he causes all kinds of frustration and angst all over the state of Virginia, all those folks like myself waiting and waiting and waiting <laughs> to get their Wayne Henderson instrument. Of course, if you've seen the book, you all know that uh, Eric Clapton had to wait nine years he had to wait the same as anybody else, you know. Nine years. <laughs> and uh, Wayne has been uh, honored uh, in all kinds of ways, but just like uh, the gentleman we had earlier today, Mr. Del McCurry, Wayne Henderson also has been honored with a National Heritage Fellowship, which is the highest honor that the government bestows. Thank you. And that's quite a thing for a... Little boy from rugby, isn't it? Well, that's that's pretty exciting to me, and I would probably never figured I'd have been out of that town of rugby. It's got seven people. You know, you can't go very far because <laughs> it leaves too big a hole. You know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, tell us a little bit about this town of rugby. Isn't uh, y'all know where rugby is? It's in Grayson County, oh, uh, yeah. Virginia. If you folks here, I've seen people here that's been there many times. Yeah. And does anything go on there? Or any activities in rugby? Anything? Well, not too much. You know, the main industry we got is the guitar shop. You know, that's <laughs> the main one. And the only big industry we got is the 300-pound Avon lady. And, <laughs> and that, that sort of thing. Yeah, that's, I know. That's mostly about what goes on in rugby. Yeah, okay. Uh, well, we're going to do like a little uh, thing this afternoon where we're going to kind of learn a little bit about uh, Wayne's uh, guitar making and a little bit about rugby. There's some, probably some, some harrowing tales, I imagine, from rugby. Uh, but, you know, Wayne, before we start, I, you know, people uh, have admired your guitars forever. They're so beautiful. I mean, look at the, uh, show, just, f- just show that one up there. I mean, the, the abalone work, that is beautiful. What number is that one you got there? That's number 400. That's number 400 guitar. I've got Almost got 500 done right Oh, now, man, too. that's a real beautiful one. You were always playing that beat-up one all the time. When you well, that's sort of the old beat-up one's my favorite one that I've played <laughs> for years and years, and, and uh, I enjoy playing that old guitar, but it's not much to look at. <laughs> and if you could just tell, because we are going to take questions from the audience, but I know there's one question that everyone has on their mind, which is, what is the secret? What is the secret to making a good guitar like that? Well... I, I don't know if there's any real secrets or not, but uh, 
You know, my favorite tool is a good sharp whittly knife. I accumulated one right here tonight, and uh, which that's that's always a neat thing. And Albert Hash uh, taught me that uh, you could carve fiddle necks or anything with a with a whittling knife and a good sharp pocket knife, and that's still my favorite tool that I use. I shape all these necks with it, and, and I always tell people when they ask me how do you do that, is uh, I tell them you got to get good wood, this sharp, this good Brazilian rosewood and Appalachian spruce and mahogany and ebony and curly maple and all sorts of good quality wood, and that good sharp whittling knife, and you cut away everything. It does not look like a guitar. <laughs> makes it. It's that simple. So, it's simple. If it wasn't simple, I couldn't do it. Well, Wayne, you want to pick one for us? Well, here? I could pick a little something. That, of course, was Elizabeth Cotton. Uh, yep, that's that one of my favorite guitar tunes. Is an old tune called Freight Train. Elizabeth Cotton, uh, I got to meet her one time. The Smithsonian sent me to Montreal, Canada. It was one of the first times I was ever out of rugby. And, and, uh, and there was a big folklife festival going on up there that the Smithsonian was running. And they had a whole bunch of people there. John Hartford I got to meet and all kinds of people. But... My favorite one was Elizabeth Cotton, and uh, she was a, you know, an old black lady that played good blues, but she was probably the best guitar picker, uh, and she played that style, you know, like that with you know, sort of that thumb rhythm rotation, except she did it with her little finger and her, did it on a guitar like this, upside down and left-handed, and uh, it, would, it was pretty amazing to sit and watch her do that. It just looked so impossible that you just couldn't see figure out where that sound come from and yeah she was a lot a of people player. actually feel the same way about wayne he uh he kind of uh, sort Nothing of by like accident 
correct, kind of almost by accident, invented a guitar style. You want to tell them about that? Well, a little bit. Uh, no, no. One of my guitar playing heroes is a fellow named E.C. Ball. And uh, he lived in rugby there, and, uh, and he played with his finger picks. Sort of a... Sort of a Travis style almost playing, and he played gospel music most of the time, and, and he was a great guitar player. You know, somebody was a real hero to me, and somebody just loved to hear him play. And, and when I started learning to play the guitar, I played a little bit. I could play the Wildwood Flower a little, and so I just played with my thumb, and I was decided I was going to have to get picks so I could be louder. And uh, so I went to ask Mr. Ball, and he's, he's a pretty opinionated fella. You know, he said, you know, you got to play like I do if you're going to be a good guitar player, you know. <laughs> and uh, so I got me a thumb pick, and, and he said, uh, you know, most guitar players, you know, use a thumb pick. You know, and the only ones I'd ever heard was him and Maybell Carter and Chet Atkins and Merle Travis. And every last one of them used their thumb, thumb picks. And I thought, well, maybe you're right. You know, that's, that's all, the, all the pickers I knew of. And uh, so what I got uh, the, the tunes that I was used to playing or was hearing all the time was my dad's fiddle tunes. He was an old-time fiddler. And it's awful hard to thumb pick Ragtime Annie or something like that, you know, you know those old tunes that go in a straight melody lines of single notes. And uh, so I had to come up with a way I picked down with my thumb and up with my finger. Pick like that, so I pick up and down, so I can sort of imitate a flat pick a little bit and to play uh, play those fiddle tunes. So it's almost like you're pinching the. the yeah, the sometimes they call it pinch picking. They never know what to call them as picking <laughs> style. So that sometimes they call it pinch picking. And every time I'm trying to get a note, I'm usually in a pinch. And, uh, <laughs> anyway, that may be the reason they call it that. I don't know. Yeah, and uh, sometimes, uh, like I've been to the Smithsonian with Wayne, I'll never forget they had little benches, and first three rows were uh, all men, actually, uh, leaning over as close as they can, just staring at his fingers, trying to figure out what he was doing. Uh, you want to uh, pick us another one, and then we'll... Okay. Let's see, play a little something that's uh, more of a that flat-picking style.
so much. Really appreciate that. That was an old tune called Temperance Real. Temperance Real. Yeah. I guess that must come here from Ireland or Scotland or somewhere, I would imagine. Uh-huh. And uh, that's a... Now, is that like a, a tune you'd ever play at a... I should say that Wayne has won a lot of guitar contests, you know, all around this area, all around southwest Virginia. They have... <laughs> <laughs> used, yeah, used to, not too much anymore since these young <laughs> folks has come along, you know, which yeah. that's a good thing. Uh, yeah, it is. There's so many incredible young pickers now. It's really something else. Uh, in fact, tomorrow night uh, on this stage, we're going to have Nate Leith and friends. Nate won uh, Galax Fiddler's uh, contest when he was 11. This is before they had the kids, uh, the youth competition. Pretty cool. Yeah, and he's gotten, he's unbelievable. So ch check that out. I think it's at like 9 o'clock tomorrow night. Uh, so Wayne, you, how many contests? Uh, if do you know how, how many times you've won Galax? So, I, mean, I think I've won down at Galax maybe thirteen times or something like that. I think I've I won that maybe. My <laughs> 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 oh, God! I keep keep working on my record. I, I you know realize there's not many times if ever it ever win first again, but I still go play in that contest to try to make my record longer as many times placed. That's, that's probably <laughs> might be up around 40 oh or something God. about that. But uh, the else. young folks that are coming along there are just some of the most incredible players. The young fellow that won this year, a name uh, Brian McDowell, who's from out in western North Carolina. I think he's 18 years old. And uh, at Winfield, you know, the, the big deal out in Kansas, yeah. he won all, he won the guitar, Fiddle and mandolin, I think. I had never been done before. And uh, he won wow. one at my festival, won a guitar up there, and he won Galax this year. And, and uh, those young folks like that are just pretty incredible, you know, what they can do. And, and that's, a, that's a just absolutely wonderful thing, I think. You know? that's, a, that's the thing, too, when, you, when you're talking about people playing multiple instruments. Those of you who are not from this era, area, might be quite shocked if you go to watch a bunch of musicians jamming because they'll just play this unbelievable tune and when it's over they'll just like switch instruments and do it again. I've I've, that blew my mind the first time I ever saw that. No, it, it's it's amazing how some of them can play. Steve Lewis is playing here a while ago. He's wonderful. He was playing banjo here with Gerald, but he's won the national championship twice and and uh, he's one of the best guitar players you'll ever hear too. He's won all these contests too. And Wayne, by the way, has his own contest, the Wayne C. Henderson Festival. I where can't they, even win it anymore. They, you could win a Wayne. <laughs> Instead of waiting nine years, you could win one in three minutes. And, uh, and uh, it's a wonderful festival. It's the third Saturday in June, rain or shine, and uh, down in beautiful Grayson Highlands Park uh, in Mouth of Wilson. And you go there, and, uh, and afterwards, Wayne invites everybody over to his house for... For a party, everybody, actually, the entire festival is invited to his house. He's a very generous guy, Wayne, with his time. I have and a yard full of that night, pretty much. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so, Wayne, why don't you play one of those tunes that you break out when you want to win a festival? Like, what's a good, what's, well, I mean, a good mm -hmm. contest young, tune? Young fella here asked for the steel guitar rag. I play that one quite often, and I usually have a bass player play with me or something, but uh, to cover up the hopefully cover up some bad leaks, but I won't have that now. But uh, this, this is an old tune that uh, I've heard for years, and I learned it 
I used to listen to a Cincinnati radio station, WCKY. I don't know if there's anybody here old enough to remember that or heard it. And uh, it was, uh, they used it for a theme song every night, and it was Spade Cooley's Western Swing Band. And a fellow named Noel Boggs was playing steel guitar, and he was an incredible player. And, uh, but the uh, strange thing about that tune, right on the end of it, they had this... Ended up like that. Right on the very last lick, it had this sizzling noise. Sound like that. And I thought, you know, little kid at home, you know, listening on the radio, the best I could hear, it sounded to me like it was letting the air out of a steam powered guitar or something, <laughs> you know. And uh, I always, I never did, it took years to figure out what that sound was, but it was a drum cymbal. You know, that was that rang longer than anything else at the end of that tune. And, uh, and like I say, it took years to learn what that was, but I heard that tune so many times that I learned how to play it. But it's still one of my favorite guitar tunes to play. One called the Steel Guitar Rag. It started out back in the 20s. There was an old blues tune they called Guitar Rag from uh, Sylvester Weaver, an old black blues guy that played real good. And then uh, they, those country bands got it all fancied up and added a part and so it's more like a steel guitar rag you hear now. I'll try to do it.
Thank you so much. Wayne, this is uh this is some kind of crowd we got out of here. This oh, is I'm a big crowd you, of people. It's wonderful, huh? Didn't you one time play in front of just one person or something like that? Oh yeah, that's <laughs> we played in this sort of fancy place and like a, a big a pretty good sized auditorium and and we was getting ready and they had a you know big fancy curtain to pull and and we got tuned up and got the whole bunch of us was there, ready to, ready to play. And when they opened the curtain, there was one man sitting right on the, right in the middle of the front row. One person in that whole big old auditorium is all that had come. And I was pretty disappointed, but, but I told him, you know, we're professional musicians here, and we're going we're gonna to put you on a show just the same as there's 500 people in here, and we're going to do our dead-level best to play as good as we can possibly play right for you. And he looked up at me and said, well, get on with it, Shorty. I've got to clean this place up when you get (laughs) 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 So those are the humble beginnings that Wayne came from, from the little town of Rugby. Tell us us about Rugby and tell us a little bit about what happened. You know, give us a little story. Well, I don't know too much about it, only except it's just a small place. If you take in the whole community, there's certainly more people than seven people, but I always talk about seven people because it always gets stirs up a little bit of a fuss, you know. And that's absolutely true when they're, when you take in downtown rugby, where the where EC Ball's old store and where the sign that says rugby is both coming and going actually truly on the same post. And, uh, <laughs> And that's that. You can go. You can go look at that anytime you want to. It's right there. <laughs> and uh, it's just a farming community. There's not, uh, uh, you know. I was raised on a small farm. We grew tobacco and and uh, everything. You know, corn and everything. We grew our own. You know, hogs and things we ate and chickens. And I had to go out and milk uh, sometimes seven cows. You know, before we go to school and and. Uh, that is a little bit rough, and not always seven. Sometimes there's three. You know, that's not so bad. But, but uh, you had that turkey. What was that turkey's name? Oh, I had a pet turkey named Smedley. There's all <laughs> kinds of stories about him, and he was he was a bad dude though, because he, you know, if you ever, you know, we had pets of all kinds on on the farm. You know, if you even the the pigs we were going to raise up and make bacon out of, you know, in the fall, you know, we'd name them and stuff like that, and that is, that's always pretty rough, you had to do that, but that old turkey, you know, when you kept him around for a while, got to be a pet, and I named him Smedley, I think it was, and he was a bad dude, he was, you know, he, he would absolutely whoop you, if you, you know, when he got so big, probably weighed 30 pounds, and, and uh, he just loved to fight, and uh, he got so, he, you, not much you could do with him, but I used to box with him get down and but but the only way I could do that I had a motorcycle back in I'd put on a full face shield motorcycle helmet and a leather jacket and you could you could sort of hang with him a little bit then and, and otherwise you were in trouble you know did you, you, you tell me the story about when you put the did you put like a sheet of metal or something under the snow or oh yeah that, trap oh, when, when you raised up with not you know I, we didn't have money for toys and and we had seemed to me like had to work all the time, you know, on, to keep the farm going and keep grow something to eat, you know, a lot. And uh, I was always figuring out some something to play with. And I, I think I, even though I, 
we didn't have much. I felt like I had, you know, my, probably more fun than rich folks in town, you know. And uh, and one time I had an old VC fertilizer sign, you know, it was a great big one. It was probably five feet long. And uh, I would, uh, had, you know, I'd use it for a sled part of the time. There's enamel finished, and that thing was so slick that uh, it would, it was almost made too good a sled. It would leave, it'd raise up off the ground if you put it up on the hill. But I got the idea, I, it snowed this deep, you know, did, almost did last winter or something, but before that we hadn't had much snow since those days. And, uh, you know, the path to the woodshed and everything out there, the, the, the cats, dogs, chickens, everything used the same path. And so I put that fertilizer sign in the path. And uh, that thing was so slick, and it, I'd get in the house and watch. It would just tickle me absolutely to death to see a chicken fall down. <laughs> you know, you know they'd, uh, they'd start around, they'd, get, they'd hit that sign, down they'd go, and dogs, cats, everything. And, and I just had so much fun, you know, watching that operation go on. But the, the bad thing happened, I forgot it and left it there. My mom went to the, <laughs> out, to the, out to the woodshed to get wood or something like that, and it got her the same way it did to cats and dogs. And I, I, I got a little bit of a tanning for that, you know. <laughs> it's hard to explain that that thing just happened to be there, you know. <laughs> yeah. And, and uh, so oh, that is, I used to do all sorts of stuff like that. And, we, and, and another thing that I was telling somebody about just a while back at, uh, that I had the most fun doing, and we had a hog lot just about the size of this room right here. You know where we had had the, had two big old hogs in there, and we'd go feed them corn, and hogs will, will eat a bit of the corn off the cob and leave the cobs in there. And uh, we'd uh, me and my cousin would uh, you break that corn cob in two. We got two pieces about this big, and we played baseball with those. We took a piece of slab about that wide, and I developed the most tenacious curveball <laughs> that you've ever seen. You hold that corn cob like this and throw overhanded, and that that cob would make this big curve and you just about impossible to hit and then it's hard to hit it solid enough to knock it out of the fence if you did that you got to score a run and let, usually the score would be three to two you know right. stuff like that and uh we got uh when i got to doing good at it was always arguing over balls and strikes real big time so i got the idea to put a big fertilizer bag on the fence <laughs> right behind the plate and if you hit that fertilizer bag, it made a big racket, you know, like that. And that was, that was no doubt, that was a strike, you know. That, and I got so I could throw that curve out there so far, you couldn't hit it, but it'd still come in and hit the bag oh, on man. the <laughs> side. Hey, and, you know uh, what? Speaking of baseball, you know, we are entering into the, the pennant race here. It might be a good thing to that, that's what what I, get. That's what I was telling that story there. It made me think of the very same thing. Uh -huh. And this looks like a wonderfully friendly crowd and... And uh, I've never been able to sing a lick and uh, just pick and tell, tell bad jokes, and that's about all I can do. But uh, you all could sing this song for me. And uh, you'll, you'll help out, go through two rounds of it, just do the same thing over, and, and it'll be nice, it'll sound good in here. And uh, this, I know this, you know this one because I always look forward to seven and a half innings. <laughs> and uh, I always go to a baseball game every time I'm in, I'm in a major league city. Uh, I do that every chance I get. And uh, so 
here's your part. Two times. Then after you get through singing, two rounds of it, well, I'll speed it up and pick pick an instrumental version of it for a couple of rounds. So here's your part. extra good job singing. I knew good. that would sound good in this room here. You have quite the paparazzi over here, I'm noticing. Well, Wayne, everyone's snapping photos of you all the time. Well, I guess they probably taking those pictures. They sell them to people and put them out in the garden. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, no, no. Well, Wayne is... Uh, crows will bring back stuff. They no, got Wayne is the... Uh, he's like the cover child for <laughs> Virginia tourism. They actually try to bring people to Virginia with Wayne's mug right there and he draw the tourism has gone up for that and and uh, he's been on the cover of virginia living magazine and he's the subject of a doc a documentary he's uh subject of a new york times best-selling book 
And actually, last year, he was a finalist in Dancing with the Stars. Did you all, did you caught that? <laughs> it was amazing. I hate I didn't make that one. Yeah, well, that was, no, that was a good run there. That was a good run. Hey, we have a few minutes. Are there any questions from the audience for Wayne? Anybody want to ask Wayne? Anybody have a burning question? That they, yes, sir. Uh, what is the waiting list? That's always sort of a bad question. <laughs> I, hate to, I hate to tell people sometimes. If I probably did them in a straight line and a row like I should, it'd probably be 10 years or something. But, you know, people give up before they wait that long. And, and if, if, you, if you keep in touch and, you know, give me a call or stop by the <laughs> shop sometimes, something like that, I don't think it'd be nearly that long, you know. If, uh, if, you, yeah. if you try to be polite and everything, you just you never yeah. get one. I'm sorry. Question, someone had a question over here? Yes. I, I was uh, worked for the U.S. Postal Service for 32 years, and uh, still uh, now people think that's not a very big job when they're in a town where there's seven people. But, yeah. <laughs> but, but I but I had to go up every holler that that anybody lives in or anything, and uh, I had a small enough route that I could run my guitar shop every day too, and so I'm sort of a workaholic. I still work till three o'clock almost every morning now. And uh, and uh, I, I retired from a mail route like eight years ago or something, and so it's it's been a little more fun making guitars yeah. then. And but I but but that whole 32 years I did the mail route. I I came in every night as soon as I got through with my route and went in the shop and built as many guitars as I could. And what? Oh, go ahead. Oh, well, I. I don't. I don't miss having to get up early, and uh, <laughs> and but I I somewhat enjoyed doing the mail route. That was a pretty fun thing to do, a country thing to do. You know, being a rural carrier, I drove around through the country, and I got to see everybody, and and would talk to them, and I would sort of old time mail carrier. If somebody wasn't able to get to out, I'd take our mail to them and stuff. And of course, the officials get after us for doing that, you know, but. Uh, it, you know, it was a pretty good job to have, and now, you know, I wouldn't even have to make guitars if I didn't want to for my <laughs> retirement and stuff, and health insurance, that's an important thing. But, uh, but I spend uh, pretty much, uh, you know, 12, sometimes 14 hours every day in the guitar shop now. Wow. And they said, remember you told me that after Wayne stopped delivering the mail, church attendance went down so much. <laughs> I heard that. <laughs> People get together on Sunday and exchange their letters, and everybody get, get try to get their mail straightened out. Actually, speaking of church, I know there's a there's a there is a church in rugby, a preacher there in, in there in rugby. Oh, that's my my uncle. Is oh. famous. You talking about the famous preacher? Yeah, the, yeah. Oh yeah, he's a uh, he's one of those good old timey Baptist preachers, and he is known all over, pretty much all over the country, I think, for being able to preach on any subject that you can mention. You can mention, uh, you know, this guitar, stage, or building, anything in the world that you talk about, he can preach a sermon on, and he's really good at it. And uh, here, I'll tell you just one little story about him. Here a while back, he was getting ready to go to church to preach, and his wife asked him, said, what are you going to preach about this morning? And he said, I'm, you know, I'm going to preach about horseback riding and relate it to the gospel and preach a sermon about it. And she said, you know, you can't do that. You don't know anything about it. 
And that made him a little bit mad because he's real well-known and famous for being able to preach about anything. And he said, you know I can preach about anything I want to, and that's what I'm going to do. And she said, you can't do that. You don't know anything about it. He said, if you're going to preach about horseback riding, I'm going to stay at the house, and I'm, you'll embarrass me, and I'm not, I'm not going to be there. He said, suit yourself. That's all right. So he took off to church, and she stayed at the house. And on his way driving to church, he got to thinking, you know, she's right. She's always right, anyway. And I uh, said, I'd, I'd probably leave, better leave that one alone. I can't do that, I don't think. And so he had to figure out something, so he preached on sex and marriage and that sort of thing, a reliable subject, you know, that, that uh, you know, he didn't have to practice a lot for. And while, uh, while he was uh, out doing his sermon at church, uh, his wife decided she needed to go out to the supermarket to get stuff for supper that night. And she went out to the supermarket and was in there about the time church let out. Sure enough, three ladies out of the congregation came right in that same store and ran into the preacher's wife in there and went right up to her and said, you know what, you should have been at church this morning. Said, your husband preached one of the finest sermons I've ever heard him do. She said, well, I don't know how in the world he did. He don't know a thing in the world about it. <laughs> and that <laughs> said the... Uh, Best, best I can remember, I don't think he ever tried it, but twice. <laughs> and that was one time, one time before we was married and one time after. And uh, said, you know what? Said he fell off both times. Story about my uncle, who's a preacher. You yeah. Know. And then, yeah. but, but now my aunt is a good cook. I'll tell this one, one yeah. more little thing about. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> about it, it's not that long, I don't think. <laughs> but anyway, they invited me over for Sunday dinner a while back, and that's a good deal because I was told my aunt is a wonderful cook, and uh, I couldn't wait to get over. There. And uh, I was sitting around. You know, Sunday dinner. That's in the middle of the day for us. Suppers at night. And uh, anyway, we went over and, and I was sitting there talking to my uncle and that's while she came out and said, said, dinner's ready. And I couldn't wait to get in there and got in there and she, lo and behold, she had fried chicken and she had grilled chicken. She had roasted chicken and she had chicken pot pie and she had chicken and dumplings. And she had them, sort of them little chicken fingers they have at Long John. She'd <laughs> learned how to make them. And uh, I thought this was a little bit unusual and, but, I do love chicken, and I ain't such a good cook. We had her fill anyway. You know, me and my uncle were in there, and we just eat probably too much like we usually do. And was after after you have a big meal like that, we just go out on the front porch. It's about the size of this stage right here. Got a couple of rocking chairs out there, and we sat there and rocking, and and hopefully let that you know big dinner settle down a little. And I was sitting there talking to my uncle, just like me and John here, and I looked, and here come a chicken around the side of the porch. Started walking right out through the yard. I was just watching it go out through there, and that chicken started going sideways, and it started going this way, and the next thing you know, it was going crooked. And after a while, the further that chicken got, the crookeder it walked, and it started staggering and pitching around, and before it got out to the yard gate, outside the yard, that chicken just flopped over on its side. I looked over and asked my uncle, what in the world happened to that chicken? He said, I ain't got no idea. He said, they've been dying faster than we can eat them. Ha <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> From Rugby, Virginia, this is Wayne C. Henderson. Thank you. And uh, Wayne is... appreciate so many of you staying around <laughs> and listening to my stuff. You know, and, <laughs> and Wayne's, you're going to play tonight, right? Later in the, in the we're, cameo? We're going to play over in the cameo theater. Real nice place. It's cool in there. And uh, I asked uh, Adam Steffi and his wife, Tina, if they'd come play with us. And they said, if they can find instruments, they will. And you probably have heard of Adam. He's, you know, like a seven-time Grammy Award winner. And, and, and his wife, Tina, is one of the best claw hammer pickers around. And Helen be with us, play some fiddle. We do some old-time music. And, All right. and we'd love it if you come by for that. And uh, that's at 10 o'clock. It's pretty late. I don't know yeah. if y'all stay up that late or not. <laughs> Yeah. Well, uh, let's, uh, let's uh, once again let him know how we appreciate him here. This is Wayne Henderson. Want to play one more? Yeah, I can play one more. Thank you. 